Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Travelling through the story of the Acts of the Apostles, Colin, for the last couple of weeks we've been looking closely at how the church started, the strategy that they used and and who God used to start the church. We've reached the point in the story where Peter had just had a vision. He went to the house of Cornelius and now he was in a lot of trouble explaining his actions to the rest of the disciples and apostles. It's very revealing to understand where the church was at uh, in these early years. It was predominantly Jewish, and uh, although Jesus had given the apostles the commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, uh, clearly for the very early years of the church, they had been preaching and evangelizing mainly among the Jewish community. So it had taken this vision that Peter had to make it clear to him that he was to go and preach the gospel to Cornelius, who was, of course, a Gentile. And so he was breaking with all the conventions uh, by going into the house of um, a Gentile and preaching in the way that he did. And, of course, as he preached, the Spirit of God fell upon uh, all those who were listening. And this was like a great revelation um, we, we read that Peter was astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Uh, so uh, the news of this spreads around and, of course, gets back to denominational headquarters <laughs> um, in, in Jerusalem. And the, there were factions even in these early days. There were different groupings within the church. There were the the very um, strict sort of pharisaical um, legalistic people. Uh, And the great controversy with them was that they maintained that a Gentile would need to be circumcised and become a Jew. Uh, Because the church was very much regarded as part of the Jewish church. It was like a sect within Judaism. So their attitude was that um, anybody who was going to become a Christian would need to become a Jew first. Uh, Now, this is going to be a controversy which um, uh, Paul uh, addresses later on, as we shall see. But what we need to understand is that this was a very strong element, uh, even within the leadership of the church uh, in Jerusalem. So these people were not happy to hear that Peter had gone into the house of an uncircumcised person, a a Gentile, and had actually eaten with him. Eating with people was a sign of fellowship, and so you only ate with those that um, you were one with, really. So we read in uh, chapter 11, verse 4, Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. So he tells them about the um, vision that he had and how he realized that he was to go to Caesarea. Uh, He said, the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them, that is, with the the, uh, people that had come from Cornelius to ask him to go to Caesarea. 
and six brothers also went with me, he said, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Now, of course, this is divine activity. Peter is having his vision to make it clear that he should go with the men sent by Cornelius. Cornelius himself has had the visitation of an angel telling him to go and send for Peter. So clearly, this is the will of God. Clearly, God is doing something supernatural now. He's orchestrating these events to get the church out of its restrictive Jewish mentality into a much bigger and broader mentality of realizing that Jesus came to be the savior of the world, not just the savior of the Jews. And then uh, Peter says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them just as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? In other words, he was saying, listen, it wasn't anything to do with me. All I did was to obey the Lord, obey the heavenly vision. I went, I just preached, I didn't pray for anyone. The Spirit of God just fell upon them. And if the Spirit of God fell upon them, in their uncircumcised state, in their Gentile state, not as those who had adopted Judaism, then obviously God was pleased to do that. It wasn't anything I did. It wasn't what I chose to do or elected to do. It is what the Spirit of God did. So the scripture says, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. So that was a very, very significant moment in the church's history. And a huge challenge for them, as you mentioned. What, what would be comparable today, Colin? Because really we are trying to draw comparisons, aren't we? Well, yes. I mean, I suppose there isn't anything that is strictly uh, um, a parable today. Um, uh, the situation is somewhat different. But what we could say is that God wants to get the church out of its closed-door mentality and out into the world uh, where the people are that need to be saved. Uh, instead of the mentality of you come to us, we've got to be prepared to go to them. And the interesting thing was, you see, that God didn't say to Cornelius, you go to Peter and get saved. He said, no, call him to come to you. And so uh, Peter and the others would have understood that this was a clear message from God that they were to go to the Gentiles. They were no longer just to be uh, restricting their activities to the Jewish community. As you mentioned, this was very much a divine appointment. Is it true to say that when God is about to do something major like that and, and reveal something new, he does prepare us especially? He, he does. He has his timing for all these things, and he has his men, his women, his people. Um, God has always chosen to work through men, through individuals, and so he will prepare anybody for his particular purpose. We were seeing last week how God had his eye on Saul of Tarsus. Nobody else would have chosen 
the arch persecutor of the church to become the apostle to the Gentiles. And uh, of course, Paul, after his initial conversion, he was inactive for a couple of years while uh, the Lord was actually sort of teaching him and dealing with him and uh, forming, if you like, uh, his ministry. Um, so at the time when all that was happening, these events were taking place, and therefore the church was coming to a whole new mentality. So here we are 2,000 years later. This is where it all began for us Gentiles. Yes, and uh, um, still the commission to the whole church is to go into all the world. So uh, God's purpose is to see both Jew and Gentile saved. And as Paul uh, makes clear, he makes one new man through the combination of the two, that um, God does not sort of discriminate uh, in the way that men so often discriminate. So um, the church went on preaching. More people were now reaching out uh, and traveling further afield uh, with the, the gospel of God's grace. But, of course, there was opposition. And chapter 12 tells us that Herod uh, had James uh, John's brother put to death um, with the sword. He was martyred for his faith. And because he saw how this pleased the non-Christian Jews, um, Herod proceeded to arrest Peter also. So Peter was put in prison and he was guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. In other words, a pretty good guard was put around him to make sure that he didn't escape. Uh, but while he was in prison, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound to them with chains. And while the uh, other sentries stood guard at the entrance... And again, we see how the early church was living in the power of the supernatural because suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? Because it shows that nothing is impossible for God, even these practical things. He can unchain chains, undo chains. So Peter was told quickly to get dressed and... Uh, follow him out of the prison. And uh, it's interesting that uh, it says in verse 9 of chapter 12 that Peter had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. You know, he was so used to these visions that, that he received every now and again, and they were, the, the visions were so vivid, like seeing that tablecloth come down from heaven, that he thought, well, am I in a vision? Is all this really happening? But it was happening for sure, and they passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. <laughs> so here is, is Peter now released. He came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and, released, and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 